Lord. He is worthy. He's so worthy to be praised. Do 
Good afternoon to our listening audience at station KKVV. Thank you for spending time with us at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located at 1720 North J Street. We may be reached at 702-647-2627. Our website is www.abundantlifelv. Org. We are pastored by Russell Lee Wars. Our speaker today is our first elder, Clarence Brown. Amen. Elder Brown will be speaking to us on the topic entitled, When Love is Not Enough. Amen. Yet the word of God admonishes that love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But love never fails. After the following selection, the next voice you will hear is that of Elder Clarence Brown. Hear ye him. I'd rather be left 
by his nail pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in a dark sway I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Jesus than a man's applause I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause I'd rather have Jesus than work I'd rather 
I'd rather have my Jesus than anything this world affords today. Thanks, Sister Boyd, for that song. It is certainly our testimony, our prayer, and our desires that we would rather have Jesus than anything this world could afford. I want to thank the elders, musicians, Thank you, Abundant Life, for the privilege to stand and to commune and worship with you today. Amen. We serve a mighty good God. And it just seems to get sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. I'm going to be still. Let me call your attention again to the scripture that was read this morning, already so eloquently. And I just want to read just a part of that scripture. John chapter 14 and verse 15. John chapter 13, 14 and verse 15. It's a familiar passage, you know it. Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. My subject this morning is a simple one. When love is not enough, when love is not enough, let's pray, Father. I am leaning and dependent upon you today. I ask, Lord, that you will rain down your Holy Spirit upon us and that you will speak through me, to me, and through your people this morning. In the precious and wonderful name of your Son, Jesus, amen. My brothers and sisters of Abundant Life, I stand this morning to remind you that we are involved in a great controversy between good and evil. I don't know if you sense it or not, but this great controversy is increasing in intensity as we approach the end times. Satan knows that he has but just a short time and he's doing everything he can to keep us from making it into the kingdom. Without question, his primary mission is to keep you and I from experiencing the great blessing that God has provided for us here on earth and in the earth made new. Satan has, am has amassed an arsenal of weapons 
that he has aimed at us in an attempt to sabotage our, our march to the heavenly Zion. Some of his weapons in his arsenal are discouragement, fatigue, loneliness, busyness, and a host of addictions. In his attack, he doesn't care if we're nine or 99. He doesn't care if we're single, married, divorced, sick, or elderly. His quest is simply to steal our souls. And as a result, he will spare no pleasure. No evil will he hold back. Anything it takes to steal our souls, Satan is willing to do. He wants to steal our relationship from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But I got good news this morning. God has provided grace that is sufficient for us. And he has provided his precious Holy Spirit so we can stand against the powers and the weapons of Satan. Amen. Satan is no match for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our God has already crushed his head and wounded him. And in due season, our God, my God, will cast him and his imps in the lake of fire. And you and I will not have to worry about him anymore. I know it gets difficult sometimes. And I don't know about you, but it seems like it's getting difficult too many times or too much of the times. But just remember, you and I are blessed with the infallible word of God. And because we have the word of God, we have the privilege of flipping to the end of the book. And we can do it over and over and over again. Because we know how the controversy is going to end. The truth is you and I have no excuse for giving up or pulling back. Because we are on the right side of the controversy. We have no excuse at all for ever giving up or pulling back. It's just a matter of time before evil will be extracted from this great controversy and all that will be left is good. It's just a matter of time before our God will stand and say the controversy is over. It's finished. And I will settle the score. <laughs> And what a day of rejoicing. What a day of rejoicing that will be. But until then, you and I must remain on the battlefield and continue to fight the good fight of faith. As we fight the good fight of faith, we are going to encounter strong and persistent attack from Satan. As he realizes that his time is short, he will intensify his attacks. But the stronger his attack, the more we need to fall on our knees, open the word of God, and meditate upon it day and night. Some of you are going to, some of you are being attacked by strong addictions. Some are being attacked by unbelief. Some are being attacked by financial challenges. Some are being attacked by emotional distress. Some are being attacked by sickness. Some are being attacked by discouragement. 
Some are being attacked by relationship problems, and the list goes on. One of the areas that Satan has launched an insidious attack upon us is at our families. He has launched an attack, and he launched this attack at the very first family. He first launched his attack at Adam and Eve. Now, I think this is contextual, and I think this is important. Adam and Eve lived in paradise. Their homes were surrounded by crystal rivers. They had the privilege of listening to the sweet music of the birds. They could smell the aroma, the fresh aroma of the unpolluted air. At their, at, their, at their fingertips, they had access to delicious, delectable, finger-licking fruits, vegetables, herbs, nuts, berries, anything that they could desire, they could simply walk out and grab it. Adam was given a, a, a bride to, web, to, to wed. That was everything that he could imagine. He had the best job in the world. He was in charge of a perfect world. Wouldn't Obama, wouldn't Obama like to have a job like that today? In his atmosphere, his atmosphere was, was, was the, the, the fingerprints of sin and the footsteps of sin was absent. I can only imagine at the end of every day, Adam must have said, man, this was a perfect day. I can't wait for tomorrow. He didn't even have to cover himself. The word says that he was covered with the divine presence of God. He was a perfect specimen. He had the perfect situation, the perfect marriage, perfect body. Everything about Adam was just all right. Everything about his family was just all right. But it's interesting to me that in this perfect environment, Satan launched his first successful attack and the institution of the marriage and upon the family. His attack was planned, excellently executed and subtly implemented, and those unsuspecting victims. Satan knew if he could destroy and weaken the first family that he would destroy families for generations after. I just want to remind you this morning that you and I are in a great controversy between God and Satan. And while the provisions have already been made for our victory, like the troops in Afghanistan, we must be vigilant because Satan, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, is doing everything to attack our marriages and to attack our families. The major problem is that we are involved in a controversy that Satan devises new plans every day to frustrate us. 
to confuse us and to steal our joys. I don't want to give him any props, Pastor Lee was. But I got to tell you, he's pretty successful. 50% divorce rate. He's pretty successful. And, and, and I don't think that the 50% is truly represented of his success. Because as, a, 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 as, a, as an employee in the workplace, I get to see that there are folks who show up physically, but their spirits are not there. So it is with some couples. So it is with some families. They look like they're intact. But the pressure and the attack of the enemy is so strong that they're disconnected and, and so unhappy that they really can be classified as marriage singles. That is totally the opposite direction of what God wants for us. He says that the twain, the twain shall be one flesh. As children of the living God, you and I are under an unprecedented and unrelentless attack. Our marriage are under an unprecedented and an unrelentless attack, but the good news today is that God is able to heal and to restore our relationships. I just want to use myself as an illustration. When I was perhaps about six years old, my, my, well, first of all, my mom got me when she was 16 to a dad that I never really connected with. At about age six, she left to travel somewhere to find a better life and, between age, and left me at age four with my grandparents and family members and came back and got me two years later at age six. So I had some separation, you know, that separation anxiety thing. And then I then moved to live with my mom and her new relationship. My stepdad from age six to age 16. And as we lived together, there, there were some, there were some things that were good that I saw. My mom and dad worked extremely hard and did a wonderful thing. Even though they were non-Adventists, didn't care about Adventism, didn't like Adventism. Somehow, by the grace of God, they placed me in an Adventist school. I tell you, that made the difference. Because many days, I thought I was living in Beirut. Many days, it was like Beirut. Arguments, physical fights, with my dad always getting the upper end. Alcohol abuse, womanizing. And then after all of that, a divorce. I've been married to Robin for 19 years. Because of what I saw, I probably thought about it from a time or two. <laughs> but I've never lifted my hand 
at my wife. I have to think hard, but there's little to no alcohol in my background. And no, no womanizing. I just said that just to say this, that somehow, in the worst of circumstances, in the midst of this controversy and this barrage of attack, our God is still able. Our God is still able. It was, it was certainly none of that is any goodness about me. I'm not sure what my marriage would be like today if I had not been introduced to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But why is this? Why is, 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 why is Satan so persistent, so unrelentless, and so insidious in his attack on the family? Satan's attack on the family is because he knows what Ellen White says in the book Adventist Homes, page 32, is true. Satan knows that one well-ordered, well-disciplined family tells more for Christianity than all the sermons that can be preached. Amen. Did you hear me? One well-ordered, well-disciplined family tells more for Christianity than all the sermons that can be preached. Successful marriages and families are a direct threat to Satan's warfare. Couples, families, church members, what Ellen White is telling us, that in the great context of the great controversy between good and evil, that we have the potential to do more for God than all the sermons that are preached, Sabbath after Sabbath or week after week. I don't know about you, but I think that is awesome. I think that is an awesome responsibility and a tremendous opportunity. Now, this does not only apply to couples and families, because I read someplace, and I don't, I'm not going to get it right, but she says the quiet, consistent life of a Christian tells more for God. And so in this warfare, faithfulness, faithfulness, we can strike at the devil and make a significant difference for God. I want to be sure you're understanding what I'm saying, families and couples. It is not just about what's happening with you and your spouse. There's so much more at stake. There is so much more at stake because we have the opportunity for a tremendous witness for God. The question is how can we do it in the face of an unprecedented and an unrelentless and insidious attack that we must face every day by the enemy. I'm not going to keep you long today. I want to give you a few ideas. And they're going to be very spiritual ideas because I think at the foundation of getting better, at the foundation of getting better, is a right spiritual relationship with God. 
Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says, God tells us, if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, stop doing some of the things we do today in our relationships that are not right. He says, then I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sins. And David says, blessed is he whose sins are forgiven. And he says, he will heal our lands. I don't know about you, but I claim this promise for my, for my marriage and my family. If God can heal the land, he can heal my family. And so the first weapon in this warfare is prayer. It's prayer, but it's not just the, 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 the type of prayers we do. It's the type of prayer where you humble yourself. Amen. Sometimes you're going to have to fall on your face and stay on your face. Not asking God to change your spouse, but asking God to change you. Because it always begins with us. The devil would have us look at the other and think that the problem is with, with the other. And so you and I are, are fighting and punching at each other all day long. Perhaps in the, in the early part of our relationship, Robin and I had some of that in terms of just getting back at each other, trying to fix, trying to change each other. And while we're doing that, Satan and his imps are sitting back in their comfy theater-like seats perhaps with some popcorn and some sodas, enjoying us going at each other. Plotting, whoa, 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 whoa. let's see, let me, let me throw a little something in there. Let, let's see what's the next pitfall I can lay out for them. But you and I can be wise to him. You and I can be wise to him. Again, this is not only couples. In our individual lives, we can be wise that the challenges we face is not just because us or the people around us. The challenges we face is because we have an enemy. And that enemy wakes up every day. Probably doesn't wake up, doesn't have to sleep. Spends every waking moment. 24-7, 365 days of the year trying to see how he can steal and wound your soul. In our passage for this morning, John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus, as he was getting ready to leave, told his disciples, I can imagine that it was, it was a mournful sight. His disciples who had walked with him and put all of their trust and confidence in him were now having to face the fact that Jesus was going to leave them. Elder Hudson, he could have told them a lot of things. Amen. But I'm amazed that one of the things he chose to tell them at such a crucial time was if you love me. Not just if you say you love me. Because everybody could say, I love you. But he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I believe what Jesus was really telling the disciples is that Action speaks so much louder than words. It is not what you say, but what you say have to align with what you do. 
I borrowed that because I think that's instruct instructional for us in our relationships. It's very instructional because what it tells us is that, you know, everybody says I love my wife. Everybody says I love my husband. Everybody says I love my children. But when we take this command, and when we take this, this passage of scripture, it then tells us that, you know, the word love has to align with our actions. And we have a problem in the English language because we only have one word for love. So we say we love football. We love basketball. I love my dog. I don't have one. <laughs> love my car. I love my job. I love my wife. I love my children. Sometimes it's hard for us to differentiate when we say I love. And then when somebody tells us they love us, <laughs> we should sometimes want to check it out, right? Because who knows what they mean? But the Greek language gives us five expressions of love. Elphilia, strong desire for something or someone. I heard a guy who was trying to rap to a young lady one day. And he told her, I love you. I just want you. <laughs> she was wise. She says, what are you going to do with me when you get me? That's a good question. That's a good question. Second is eros. Eros is that warm rush that moves inside like, like nothing else moves us. Sometimes when Kobe comes home and told me that he saw a little girl at the supermarket and he has a crush on her. <laughs> Never even spoke to her. That is eros love. <laughs> we have philia which is a warm affection between friends and buddies. We have Stoe, which is a good old-fashioned type of family love. And then we have Agape. Agape is a giving of oneself without any thought, any type of attitude of what's in it for me. Agape love is the love that comes from God. Agape love is not man-invented, it's not man-made, it's not man-given, it's not man-produced. Agape love comes only from God. The second weapons we have in our families and in our marriages is agape love. But understand, no matter how hard you work, by yourself you can't produce it. No matter how hard you try or how many therapy sessions you go to, by yourself or by some other human beings, you can't get it. Agape love comes from God. If you take these expressions of love and put them on a continuum, or you can say over here is the lowest, and at the lowest end is selfishness. And that's elphilia, selfishness. And we are born selfish. My dad did the things that he was doing to my mom. And funny, I can't ever remember, remember my mom doing anything wrong. I, I, I suspect it's selective memory. <laughs> but I remember all the things he did. And so he did those things because he was selfish. Then you have Elos and Philia, Stoe and Agape. 
And at the high end of the continuum is agape, which is commitment and devotion. Commitment and devotion is not natural for us. And, 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 and let me just try to illustrate this. Two friends went into World War II together, Joe and John. They were friends, childhood friends. They loved each other. And they enlisted and were selected in the same platoon and the same, and they were troops in the same platoon. And one day they came on the heavy fire. And in an attempt to ex ex escape the heavy fire, they had to run from one location to another. And Joe got hit several times, got all shot up, as they would say. John escaped along with, his, with the other folks in the platoon. And while they were safe, he saw John lying on the battlefield dying. And he launched out, and his, his captain pulled him back. He says, don't be a fool. He's dying. If you get out there, you're going to die yourself. As soon as the captain turned his face or turned his back, John ran, down, ran out in the field and started pulling his friend back. He started pulling his friend. And as he was pulling his friend, he got shot several times. All right, the devil is busy this morning, but that's all right. You just pray. <clears throat> he got shot several times. And when he finally made it back to safety, his captain looked at him and says, that was foolish. I told you not to go out there and get him. He's dying. And now you are dying yourself. John looked at him and says, it was worth it. When I got there to get Joe, he says, John, I, know, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. That's the type of love we need in our marriages. That's the type of love we need in our marriages. I'm just so glad that agape love is available to us families at no cost. All we have to do is open our hearts to Jesus. Open our hearts to Jesus through prayer daily prayer and meditation on his word. And he will put in us an ability and a capacity to love. Some of us have a problem loving, and some of us have a problem being loved. God will work at us from both sides of the coin. He will give us the ability to love deeply, committedly, unselfishly, and he'll give us the ability to receive and cherish that type of love. One of the challenges we have with love is because of what we've seen and what we've experienced in our lives. We're concerned, man, if I love like that, somebody's just going to use me all up. My husband, my family, my church family, they're going to just use me all up. But the secret to that kind of love is to love expecting nothing in return. And when you love expecting nothing in return, you can't never be used. 
When you love expecting nothing in return, you can never be used. Can you hear me? But that's not natural. In fact, one of my fears this morning is that once I started talking about marriage being under an unrelentless and an unprecedented attack is that some folks will just put up the shields. It says, you know what? I've been the way that I've been. It works for me. I don't care what he says, I'm gonna stay like that. I'm not gonna open up these shields and allow anybody to hurt me. That's a problem. That's a problem that we have. In John chapter three and verse 16, a very familiar passage of scripture. God says, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and, and to me, what's instructive about that is that it tells me that love results in sacrifice. God so loved, he demonstrates. Could have sent one of the angels, but it wouldn't do. God so loved that he gave his only, he gave that which was most precious to him, his only begotten son. And so couples and families, the next thing we need, the third thing in our arsenal is the willingness to sacrifice for the other. The willingness to sacrifice for the other. Sacrifice means, you know what, this is not my, this is not my basic nature to sit and listen to all of this stuff. But you know what, if it's important to you, I'm going to do it. It's not in my nature to go here or to go there or to do that or, or, or to do these types of things, but if it's important to you, by God's grace, I'm going to do it. The ability to sacrifice. I'm selfish by nature, but you know what? By God's grace, I'm going to be less concerned. So I tell you, I, I'm not speaking to you about this because I've mastered this now. Please, don't understand that. I am still in the process of by God's grace, trying to get better, trying to be less selfish, trying to be more sacrificial, trying to love more deeply. But what I do believe is that if I do these things and if Robin do these things, 19 will turn, will turn to 35. The statistic says couples that live or married for 35 years, Eileen Osi, how long you guys been married? 37. The statistic says that the likelihood of that couple getting divorced is about this. Is about this. If you can make it to 35, whoo! And then to make it to 35 and be going strong is a testimony of the power of God. Pastor Lee was, you said five years, come on now, don't, 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 don't let the, you know, you got some time to go. Yes. You're going to get some bruises and some bumps and some scratches. Yes. Pray for us. <laughs> <laughs> but just hang in there, because if you can get the 35, <laughs> get the 35, you can let down the armors. You can say, Satan, look at me now. You can't touch me now. <laughs> by the grace of God, by the grace of God. I just want to read a few things, if you would allow me, from the book. 
Adventist home. And all I want to do is demonstrate some of the things that I shared with you about love, about prayer, about sacrifice. In the book Adventist Home on page 178, Ellen White says, let fathers and mothers make a solemn promise to God whom they profess to love and obey, that by his grace they will not disagree between themselves. Did you hear me? She didn't say that they won't have any fights, any arguments. She says that they will not disagree between themselves. I think what she really is saying is to not be disagreeable right? We're going to have different ideas and different thoughts, but we can sit down and try to say, well, let's see what is the best or right idea. She says, parents should be careful not to allow the spirit of dissension to creep into the home. For if this, for this is, for this is of Satan's agents to make his impression on the character. When our children see us fussing and fighting and carrying on and having a drag down and then coming up in church and smiling and holding hands and acting like everything is right. They can't even hear the sermon because they're trying to, <laughs> they're still trying to figure what is that about. <laughs> what is that about? <clears throat> she says, let the husband and wife remember that they have the burden to carry without a burden to carry without making their lives wretched by following differences, by allowing differences to come. Let me say that again. In fact, let me just tell you what she's saying. She says, when we go to work, and when we're out in the community, there is enough challenges our way. People kicking us where we can't see them. Folks plotting and putting booby traps in our ways and just the difficulties of the devil beating up on us. And then to come home to Beirut. Or uh, come home to let me bring my frustrations home. Or uh, let us just kind of air our frustrations on ourselves. Ellen White says we should not do that. Our home could be a paradise. Not because we're perfect, but because God is present. Because God is present. I could read more. Read the book for yourself. I think what Ellen White is really saying is that marriage and family is designed to be a blessing. So it's designed to be a blessing. It's designed to help us to make it into the kingdom. But because we have an enemy, because we have an enemy, my, my enemy is not Robin. I'll do when I was married in those first five years, Pastor Lee was. I would literally tell some of my friends, I think I'm sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me. And I want to confess, because there are days when, 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 when the week hasn't been so good, and I've come to church, and in the corner, I've, I've complained to some of the brothers about my wife. I confess that. Ellen White says that we should never, never first jokingly say something hurtful to our spouse, and most importantly, never, never criticize our spouse to someone else. 
In ignorance, God wink. I didn't know that. I thought there was a better outlet than telling her how I really feel. <laughs> but I now know that that's not right, and, and by God's grace, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. And so, prayer, agape love given to us by God, a spirit of sacrifice, will give us the foundation to make our marriages and our families work. Now, I do believe this. I do believe this because of the dysfunction that we have, the dysfunctionalism that we see in families. I believe that there is a place for relationship skills, that we need to develop relationship skills. You know, you understand me? That when, when conflict comes up, we are not naturally equipped, no matter how much we pray or how much we love, we are not always going to be naturally equipped to deal with that in a good way. But the devil is so smart. What he does first is he creates this rift and he creates this, this scenario where, where we feel like we're sleeping with the enemies. And so if there's, a, if there's a sermon about marriage to be preached, he says, you know what, you don't really want to hear that. It's going to be the same old thing. Don't go. If there's a marriage workshop, oh, y'all don't need that. Don't go, don't go. It's just going to give you more confusion. And so the devil strikes for us spiritually. I don't know about you, but, but when, when, when my marriage is not working like it should, I find that my relationship with the Lord is not working like it should. And I don't know which comes first. I'm not sure if it's because my relationship with God is not what it should be, that my marriage is not working, or vice versa. But there is a significant correlation between the two. Can I get a witness, somebody? There is a significant, and sometimes it can even go on for a week or a month. And until sometimes that, 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 that conflict is taken care of, I find, like I, I find that I can't pray like I want to pray. But I know that's the time that I must push. <laughs> I must push, I must pray until something happens. But the devil, he starts telling me things about myself. It's funny how I tell you, Robin has such a, such a power to make me feel good about myself. When I, when I was growing up because of my dark complexions, the girls used to tease me and they used to call me Black Sambo. Sometimes they'll call me, they, they would say, you'll burn up. They kept you in the oven too long. But when I met Robin, <laughs> she told me I was dark and lovely. And I've never worried about that since. I love my complexion. Because my wife loves it. All I'm telling you is that we have the ability to do so much for each other. We have the ability to do so much for each other. Sisters, you can make your man feel like a million dollars. And brothers, we can do the same thing. But we also have the ability to make each other feel like just less than a hundred dollar bill. We have the ability to strip down and to build up. And when the world is coming against us the way that it is, man, we need to be building up. 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 Those are my real points for you. 
Before you run off to see the therapist, and you should do that, have a talk with Jesus. Have a talk with Jesus. Tell him all about it. Tell him all about your hurts, all about what has happened. There is no problem that you've had in your relationship that God cannot heal. He can heal unfaithfulness. He could heal abuse. And the good news is that he wants to heal it, not just for you, but for both of you. Because it is God's desire to see both of you become one. It is, a, it is a false idea. It is a false idea that I can maintain my individuality in a successful marriage. Whoa, nobody said amen on that. <laughs> marriage is about two changing and becoming one. Sweetie, come let me let me let me try to illustrate this. I didn't have this in the plan, but let's let's try that. You stay quickly. Stay right there, sweetie. You know, one day I worked at Sprint, and from a distance, I saw this beautiful bird, and I kept trying to get close to her. I kept trying to get closer, closer. One day, I got, one day I got close enough to have a conversation. But we got closer, come on. And we got closer, and we got closer. And one day, her and I stood at the altar. And you all know that unity candle? We had, you know, the big candle in the middle, two at the end. She had her family with their strong background and so forth. I had my family with their strong background. And when the, the, the preacher said it was time, she took her candle. You all know what I'm talking about? I took my candle, and we lit that candle. I think I blew it out. I was trying to blow out her family. <laughs> <laughs> They were so strong and dominant, you know. <laughs> but I, didn't, I did not know any better. I did not know any better. And in those first five years, we started going this way. <laughs> the unity in that candle will never get the job done. That may be symbolic, but it doesn't bring any more unity than anything. And I started seeing all of her differences and all of her faults. And I started trying to change her. And brothers, you probably heard what she told me. One day she says, you are not going to change me. <laughs> she might have said it many times, but eventually I heard it. And I stopped trying to change her in my actions. But in my mind, I then started you know, having these thoughts. I don't know why she does this. And you know, for a long time, I'm sure she's going through the same things. <laughs> but our differences started to drive us apart. But I know, even though they were driving us apart, I knew this. 